Welcome to the podcast of Grace Crossing Church, where life and faith intersect. So today, as we continue our series, The Church Has Left the Building, I want to talk today about this theme, God's love affirms my identity. God's love affirms my identity. If there's one thing that has been upended in the past few weeks, it's our sense of identity. Many of us gain our sense of identity from everything from our family, which we have not been gathering with, or from our accomplishments, which matter very little today, to our work, our jobs, which some of us, many of us are doing from home and we're not seeing people while we do our work, to what other people think about us we, or what other people say about us. So many things that define our identity have been like stripped away from us in just a matter of weeks. And our identity has really, I think, been called into question. I think we can relate in so many ways to the disciples who actually found themselves in liminal space questioning their own identity. Between the crucifixion and Pentecost, a period of over 50 days, the disciples find themselves in liminal space, in between. The ending of what was, the beginning of what is to come, but not knowing what that will be. They had left what they had known, but they had not yet embraced a new reality. Jesus was gone, and the promise Holy Spirit was still a mystery to them. The Holy Spirit had not yet come. So they found themselves and find themselves living in between what had been and what would be. And so they did what most any of us would do. They returned to what is most familiar and comfortable to them, to something that they could control. Isn't that what we do? When life feels out of control, we often move to things that we feel like we can control. And so today we join the disciples in their liminal space, moving to what they felt like they could control. We've, Jesus finds them following his resurrection on the Sea of Galilee, doing what came most natural to them. For these Galileans, fishing was something that they knew how to do. And the Sea of Galilee was a place they felt they could control. It was also, in many ways, I believe, a place that defined their identity. Today, I want to focus on the contrast between two of Jesus' disciples, Peter and John. Now, both of them had spent three years walking and working with Jesus but both find themselves at very different places when it comes to identity. As they together find themselves face to face with the resurrected Christ, the source of their identity begins to surface. We're going to begin this morning with Peter. Before Jesus reminds Peter of his true identity, what he first does is he has to expose the places that he looked to for his identity. They're very similar to what we often look to for our identity. And before we talk about what our identity is and what the true source of our identity is, let's talk about what it isn't. 
My identity is not what I have done. My identity is not what I have done. Just days earlier, Peter had denied having a relationship with Jesus. In fact, he swore to heaven and earth that he did not even know who Jesus was. When Jesus locked eyes on him, on his way to be crucified, the Bible says Peter went out and wept bitterly. Peter was carrying all of that shame and all of that guilt and all of that humiliation with him when Jesus finds him on the shore of Galilee after his resurrection. But I think Jesus comes knowing that Peter was finding his identity from what he had done, but that's not where our true identity comes from. Here's what we read about in John's Gospel, chapter 21, verses 1 through 3. Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we will go with you. Why does Simon Peter, following the crucifixion of Jesus, why does he ultimately go back to the Sea of Galilee and back to fishing? It's because it was the source of his identity. Jesus has to come and show up on this particular day to remind Peter that his identity is not what he does. My identity is not found in what I do, in my job, in my work. It's not found in the things and the roles that I play in life. And yet so often that's where we get our source of identity from. But Jesus comes and has to remind Peter, your identity is not what you have done. And your identity is not what you do. Verses 3 through 5. So they went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. I think it's such an interesting point where Jesus meets them. Doing what they were so familiar with, what they felt like they controlled. And yet they could not control the catch of fish on this particular night. In fact, they work all night long. And the Bible says their nets come up empty. In some ways, I think it was representative of where their lives were in this particular moment. They not only had empty nets, they had empty souls, they had empty hearts. They were left feeling a sense like many of us today. We're feeling empty because we feel isolated. We are disconnected, we feel like, from those that we love most. We, we cannot be with them, and it leaves us feeling this deep pit of emptiness inside of our souls. And what's so interesting is that Jesus comes to remind them, and I think ensured that their nets would come up empty because he wanted to remind them that their identity is not what they have. Their identity is not what they possess. It's not what they accomplish. So often that's where we get our sense of identity. But listen today, your identity is not in what you have. When Jesus finally meets Peter, 
the Bible tells us that he only has one question for Peter. And it's found actually several times in John chapter 21. This question is repeated three times, in fact. I believe one time for each of the times that Peter denied him. Here's how he poses the question. Jesus says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than all of these? Simon, son of John, do you love me more than all of these? Now, now notice that Jesus uses Peter's given name. I find that interesting. Instead of calling him by the name of Peter, a name that Jesus had given him following his decision to follow Jesus, he calls him rather by his birth name. I think it's John had gone back to the life that he used to live. John had returned to his family of origin. John had reassumed his identity as Simon, son of John. And so Jesus begins there with him. He doesn't call him Peter. He calls him Simon, son of John. And what's interesting is there's only one question for him. Do you love me more than all of these other things? I think it's a good question for us to answer today. Do we love Jesus more than all the things we've given up? More than all the things that have been taken from us so we feel like today? Do we love him more than our ability to go out to stores at any particular time that we want? Do we love him more than our ability to go eat at restaurants? Do we love him more than even gathering with our families, which is breaking our hearts in so many ways today? But, but listen, are we blaming God for that? Or is it deepening our love for God? Do we love him more than all of those other things? Because I think that's the point of all of this. I think what Jesus is trying to get to here with Peter is where he wants to get to with us and where he was at with John, and that is this. Jesus wants us to find our identity, not in who we are, but in whose we are. Our true identity is not who we are. It's whose we are. I think this is the big difference between Peter, and in just a moment we're going to see the difference between he and John. But Peter, I believe, had a self-referenced identity. In other words, he seemed to be his own orbiting reality. But here's what Jesus so desperately longed for Peter to understand. Your identity is not in who you are. It is in whose you are. John seemed to very much understand this principle. Because unlike Peter, John seemed to have a Jesus-referenced identity. Let me explain. The very first person in the boat to recognize that it was Jesus was not Peter. And it was none of the other disciples that were with him in the boat that day. The first person, in fact, the only person in the boat to actually recognize that it was Jesus was, was John the apostle. I find that so interesting. It says in John chapter 21, verse 7, Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. And when he said this, Peter jumped in the water and swam to shore. But it was John who recognized that it was Jesus. And what I find so interesting about this is how John is described here. 
The first person to recognize Jesus in his resurrected form is the disciple whom Jesus loved. That phrase is unique to John's gospel. None of the other gospels ever use it. It actually appears six times in a span of nine chapters in John's gospel. And most biblical scholars believe, and I concur, that it is referring to the author himself, in this case, the Apostle John. Now, if I'm being honest, this phrase has always caused me a bit of heartburn. I've been puzzled as to why the author felt so compelled to single out one of the disciples, presumably himself, as the one whom Jesus loved. Surely, Jesus loved all of the disciples, perhaps equally, but differently. So why go to such great length to make a point that this particular disciple was the one whom Jesus loved? Well, this past week, as I read and I reflected on those verses, God's Spirit pointed me in a surprisingly fresh direction. For years, I assumed that that statement referred to how Jesus felt about this particular disciple. But perhaps the description has little to do with how Jesus felt and more to do with how the disciple felt. Oh, it's about Jesus, yes, but more how he, the disciple, felt about himself. Historically, it is believed that John is the youngest of all of the disciples. Perhaps just a late teen when he joined this band of believers, John may have struggled much of his time with them to accept the fact that he too was chosen and that he too belonged just like all of the others did. I suspect John struggled with some insecurity as to who he was, his identity. And it's quite possible that this phrase was intended to remind the disciple of the depth of Jesus' love for him, that he was in fact the object of Christ's attention and Christ's affection. He was wanted. He was fully known, and yet he was still fully loved. Of course, the others were also the object of Jesus' love, but perhaps John had finally accepted this wonderful reality for himself, that he is the one whom Jesus loves. And that is a shift in John's gospel, where in the latter part of John's gospel, he now refers to himself as the disciple, simply as the disciple whom Jesus loved. In my personal journey, toward loving myself for God's sake, I perhaps identify with John more than any of the other disciples. Of all of the things that I hope to be remembered for, I hope to be remembered as one whom Jesus loved. I long to be remembered as the person who loved himself for Jesus' sake. And of all of the things that I have in common with this disciple, as we are in, as he nears his own Patmos experience, and we're in our own Patmos experience in some ways, I hope to be able to refer to myself humbly as the disciple whom Jesus loved. You see, John understood that his identity was not about what he had done. It was not about what he did. It was not about what he possessed. And it was not about who he was. His identity was found in not who he was, but whom he belonged to.
God's love grounded John. God's love was John's oriented reality, and God's love was the source of his true identity. But friends, I want to encourage you today, as I want to encourage myself. It is God's love that during this time is what grounds us. It is God's love and God's love alone that gives us our oriented reality when everything else in our orbit feels like it's spinning out of control. And make no mistake about it, it is God's love that is your true source of identity. God wants you to know that he loves you deeply and that your identity is tethered directly in who you belong to. Not in what you've done, not in what you do, not in what you possess, and not in who you are. It is in whose you are. May you hold that reality today. And may you too, along with John, be able to simply refer to yourself as you grow in God's love as the disciple whom Jesus loves. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Grace Crossing Church, including service times and directions, check us out on the web at www.gracecrossingchurch.net. We hope to see you at one of our upcoming weekend worship gatherings. Have a great day.